Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. I uh, I am conducting this meeting, as always. I'm Elder Jackson. I don't know why Bishop Jensen has yet to call a second counselor and why he's using me, a missionary in the ward, as the, the first and only counselor. But uh, it is not my place to judge the Lord nor to doubt um, his judgment. So I will, I will go along with what Bishop says and what Bishop believes is right for this Ward family, which, of course, um, today is having a, a very special guest. We have, we have John the Beloved with us today. Um, would, uh, I guess we should let Bishop say hi. I'm, I'm sorry, Bishop. I always do this, like, step, stepping on your toes thing. Um, on my authority? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know you will be chastised severely for this. Um, well, I mean, we are still a small congregation. Really, I should probably be branch president, and that's why I've got one of the missionaries serving as my counselor here. Makes sense, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we only get about 100 downloads per episode the day after the episode, right? Is that right? Like, where our, our live audience is about 100? So, um, I mean, yeah, it's branch size, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're still a branch. We're yeah. still a branch. We're well, humble branch. I mean, that's the active members. That's, that's the active members. There are more more members on the rolls. We've got like 9,000 members on the rolls, but only 100 show up. Speaking of active members, really, it's probably like two active members because that's all we get in feedback per week. So if you're liking the podcast, send us an email to unmormon at gmail.com. Or if you hate the podcast, send us an email at unmormon yeah. at gmail.com and tell us exactly how you feel. Um, but anyways, we will get on with the show today. So John the Beloved... Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your journey in and, and, and through the church and kind of how we got to, to where you're at today. Include your social insurance number in there too, please. Sounds and good. Number. All right. Uh, so my social insurance number, it starts with, <laughs> uh, it all started one day when, you know, I was called as an apostle for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I have an autobiography, which actually wasn't written by me, but that's beside the point. And most of it is true, if you twist it a little bit. Um, you can find it in one of the best sellers worldwide, <laughs> probably the best seller, the, the good book, the Holy Bible. So yeah, when Jesus said goodbye and left us all here to live through the great apostasy... <laughs> I didn't know. He let me keep going. He said that I would stay here until he returned and he just hasn't come back and he doesn't answer my emails or take my calls. Wow. I, so, you know, it's, he says it soon, I guess. How, did, how, how would you guys communicate before emails? I would go and talk with him, right? I think. That's <laughs> and, then, and then like 1990 hits and he's like, here's my business card, send me an email. Like, I'm not coming down anymore? Oh, yeah, well, I just assume at some point they got emails. I mean, the church has a website, right? And it's the Church of Christ, which he leads. <laughs> so it follows that that's his website, and you can contact him through that. I mean, are you going to tell me the church headquarters is run by lawyers with some crazy stuff like that? Like, no, this is the Church of Christ. It's run by Christ. So why, why haven't you shown up to a church meeting yet? Or have you, but we always throw you out as the crazy homeless person who disrupts testimony meeting. Well, there's that too. Um, 
<laughs> but also, you know, helping people change tires and finding right, out. Right, of course. And tell, yeah, telling, telling them to get their food storage ready. And how, yeah, exactly. how are the 3D yeah. fights? Do you, do you see them much? Yeah, yeah, we hang out sometimes. Uh, they're doing good. They're, okay. um, yeah. Yeah. I, what I, do, what do, um, you know, uh, translated apostles do on the weekend? Do you guys have like a non-alcoholic beer? Prior to the word <laughs> of wisdom, would you have a alcoholic beer? And, well, uh, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. And here's the actual answer coming from someone who has lived through this firsthand. We are able to drink alcohol for several reasons. One of them, it wasn't a commandment in our time. And second of all, we have all gone through our mortal probation. It's done. It's over. We are good. We're safe. We're oh. gaining exaltation. We don't so, need to keep being tested. Therefore, we can drink. Oh, because you've had your second anointing, you're, right, yeah. you're allowed to, to do that now. Oh, that's what they call it now. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. Remember the whole transfiguration events? Right. So is it still like largely Masonic? back then before there were masons like was the temple ceremony always masonic no are you kidding like masons are a recent thing masons are like just some group in europe i think <laughs> i don't know i don't keep up with the times as well as i should but yeah <laughs> masons are a very recent thing what so uh, no, like the <laughs> <laughs> go ahead oh yeah the, that's it no masonic no like are you kidding <laughs> Who would believe that? <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm detecting a bit of a Spanish accent. Have you been spending a lot of time among the Lamanites? In oh, South yeah, America? yeah. I, you know, when, um, yeah, I, I decided, you know what, I'm done with the old world and I need a break, so I just went to Mexico and spent a few years And there. when you came there, did they all think you were Quetzalcoatl? Uh, yeah. Like, no, no, that was Jesus. Or that was what? Jesus. Uh, the thing is, you know, <clears throat> that did create some confusion later right. on when the Europeans arrived. But, but like, um, did you come with the Europeans? Or did oh, you come, no, no. I, I, did you go there on an airplane? Or, uh, <laughs> no, I actually don't remember when I went there, but I took right. boats. Did you make this boat? No, like uh, <laughs> I, some, I taught someone else who had no previous knowledge on boat building how to make it, and then they made it. What was the hardest part about getting somebody with no experience to build a boat? It, well, uh, the hardest part was exactly that, uh, you know. Um, Building the boat, working, the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> working through weak people with no experience. I thought, well, God does it all the time. It must be doable, but no. It <laughs> what does a timber of curious workmanship look like? Uh, Did you use timbers of curious workmanship? I think the timber part is just because it's timber and the curious workmanship comes because of the lack of experience. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So that's like that, no, no, no. okay. That's curious, 
That's like curious workmanship is like shorthand for he had no idea what the heck he was doing. That, that, yes, exactly. that, that's like when you come home with a gift for your mother from school on Mother's Day. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. I love it. I'm going to start saying that if I ever have kids. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say, "Oh, what curious workmanship." Nice. <laughs> yes. Okay, nice. the book of Mormon's making a lot more sense now. Yeah. That you know, you've really cleared this up a lot. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. That's what I'm here for. I think. <laughs> yeah, because okay. God's house is a house of order. Um Of course. Of, of course. Um yeah, do we do we do we want to get on to uh a bit more accurate of a biography uh, of yours, of your experience. Um, like more recently? More, more recently, specifically starting in the 90s. Um, let's, let's say, like, hypothetically, um, <laughs> that the way that living forever works is that you get reincarnated. So um, in, the, in the 90s, where... I'm assuming you were born in the 90s. I mean, reincarnated was, yeah. in the 90s. Um, yeah. where, where, where did that happen? And, um, t- tell us about your reincarnation. <laughs> Sounds good. I was, uh, as they always say, born of goodly pants in Mexico city, uh, Mexico. And yeah, um, life was good. I was, yeah. I was born in the church. And I mean, I've always been a member of the church. Was it, the was church. it like, um, what, was it like a big Mormon family, or was your family kind of um, new to it? <clears throat> yeah, so my mother is a convert. She was Catholic before, and my dad, his family converted when he was like five years old. So my dad's family has been a member since he was little. Mm. So he grew up with the church, um, and yeah, my mom did. No one in her family is a member of the church. It's only my dad's family. Oh, okay. So yeah. question about like growing up in the church in Mexico, because being like in North America, all that I know is if somebody gets called to basically anywhere south of, you know, the U.S. border, they're just going to baptize like crazy. It's kind of at least the perception we have. So like, are there a lot of Mormons in Mexico City or is it still kind of a weird fringe religion or That's what's a good it like in Mexico? So I was 16 when I moved here to Calgary, and okay. I was only there until 2013. So things, a lot of things have changed with the church, like the Gospel of Tessie said in Polish, for example. We didn't have those back in my time in Mexico. Um, so like my experience is viewed through the lens of a very faithful 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. But it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, the church, there are a lot of members in Mexico. It's not uncommon to know someone who is a member of the church that most people are not members definitely and uh, but a lot of them are less active and a lot of the baptisms just never stay at church so there were a lot of baptisms but at the same time in my work the work never got any bigger it stayed mm-hmm. the same size the same like 80 people or so so they were just like because... adding members to the role like they weren't actually in attendance yeah, I guess. And it's not like we had a baptism every week. It would happen maybe like every month or, or every couple of months. I don't know. But yeah, we didn't. Like, even if some members did stick around, the, the church, the work didn't get any bigger. Hmm. And I like I was the only young man for a long time. Really? Uh, a lot of people were inactive and... Um, 
Yeah, we did have like a young woman though. Um, so there's that. But yeah, for the long time. I also had like 10 young men's presidents during my like from 12 to 16 years old uh, period of time living in Mexico as a young man because they either would like go less active or, or leave the church or they just wouldn't do their jobs so the bishop had to keep calling new young men's presidents and it was only the president there were never any counselors because there weren't enough members to right. hold those callings as well so how how did it feel like as as a member of the church did you feel because um, I know I, I, I felt this and I, I grew up in an area where there were a lot of Mormons. I felt like I really got to, you know, let my light shine. Did you kind of have that attitude where you like, I got, I'm proud oh, yeah. of who I am and like, let me share it or I can't hang out with these people because they're not Mormon. What was your experience like with that? Well, if I had the attitude of not hanging out with other people because they were not Mormon, I wouldn't have hung out with anyone. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> And I, I always, like, all of my friends were not members of the church. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had one friend who was a member, and he was the sector. Other than that, all of my friends were either Catholic or just atheist. Um, and, yeah, but I did have that attitude of let my light shine, right? I remember giving a Book of Mormon to one of my best friends when I moved to Canada, mm-hmm. telling him, like, I wrote my testimony on the page, the blank page that is, and in, in the testimony I included, and like, I know that this is the way that we get to become like God, because I really thought that would intrigue him. Yeah. He, he would want to know more about that, but he never did. He never, he, he took it very respectfully. He was like, thank you, but he never wanted to learn more about the church. Right. Yes, it was, yeah. How, how did that feel? Because that sounds like a, a pretty... Um, like that's like an early missionary experience. And I think a lot of people have experiences like that where they give out their first book of Mormon and they're like, Oh, you know, like I, I did it. I, I shared the gospel. How, how did that, um, like, did, were you proud? Were you excited? Like what, how, how did you feel connected to that moment? What's, what was special about it? Well, I definitely felt very proud of myself because I gave my friend a book of Mormon and I did it because yeah. I cared about him and I thought he would be open to learning more. Um, he had been to the Temple Visitor Center in Mexico. He had seen like the movie with Joseph Smith. Mm. Uh, and we had talked, like him and I and another few friends, we had talked about the church before because they all were atheists and so they we would debate like the existence of God and stuff like that um, and yeah uh, so I don't know I, I did think it was a victory and it I'm sure it's not the only experience I have of like sharing the gospel with yeah. non-member friends but yeah, yeah. Bishop do you no, have oh, yeah I do um, so like LDS culture, church culture is very much like Western United States culture, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, did you see any kind of culture clashes between the church and Mexican culture? 
Uh, I'm sure I did, but the thing is, I uh, grew up and I was like a church member first, I would say, in a Mexican mm -hmm. person second. Right. Uh, right. And like the two mesh together very well because Mexico is a very interesting place. Culturally, there's a lot of like racial prejudice. And so believing in the Book of Mormon that people with darker skin are less than people with whiter skin, that's also part of Mexican culture. And I'm really sad to say it because I, I love Mexico with all my heart. But yeah. But there is some racial discrimination there. Like people are discriminated for being of darker skin, even if the difference isn't that great. Really? So, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm jumping all over this. Like I've never heard about this from Mexico. So basically, like there's a lot of racism uh, towards people who are like of Native American origin in Mexico. Yeah. Really? Okay. And and like. Okay, so then in that case, because this is something that, um, you know, people have a lot of apologetics for is this idea that, well, actually, it's not saying that they were cursed with darker skin. Like, they're kind of walking back this idea, even though it's very obvious uh, that that's exactly the intention of the author, whether that author is Nephi or Joseph Smith. Like, it's very obvious that the author was racist um yes and and so then this kind of gets um because there's already this idea that lighter skin is better um then that kind of just gets adopted so in um tell tell us about the connection but between that like was that used as a justification for racism that you saw and and then tell us also, um, we had Samuel the Lamanite on the podcast uh, a, a few times, and and nice. uh, and he he talked about you know people considering him a Lamanite. Tell us about your experience. Like, did you consider yourself a Lamanite? Was your family like proud of that? Like, quote unquote ancestry. Um, just tell us about the kind of race, um, <laughs> the the of imposition course. that uh, the Book of Mormon puts on your race and culture. Yeah, definitely. To be fair to Mexico, though, uh, I, I wouldn't say that most people are racist in yeah. this way. But, yeah, of course. But um, definitely more like the older generations. Yeah. Stuff. But like my friends, I'm sure they don't have any problems with, you know. Yeah. Um, we kind of like here with, you know, young people are more open to different mm -hmm. uh, differences in people. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, in Mexico, I grew up thinking, because I was taught by my parents at church, by my grandparents and everyone, that we were literal descendants of, of not only Lamanites, but Nephites as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in Moroni, when all the Nephites are getting killed, you get the impression that all the Nephites died, but that's not true. Only the disciples of Christ died. Right. The Nephites survived because the Lamanites would go to them and like, do you believe in Christ? And they would say yes, so they would him with a sword. Yeah. Uh, but if they said no, they would get to live and be among the Lamanites. So right. we were taught, I was taught that I was a literal descendant of literal Nephites and Lamanites. Right. And that not on, like the Aztec Empire, for example, the like all of these 
peoples, they were descendants of the Lamanites. Mm -hmm. They got divided into different empires and peoples. Uh, they fought amongst each other, so that created this division. And um, But they were all descended from the Lamanites. This was our origin story. This is where we came from. And uh, yeah, so that's what I grew up with. And I believed it too. My, my dad still believes it. My family in Mexico still believes that. It's not a figurative thing or it's not a story. It's part of our family yeah. history. Yeah. That's really interesting because um, it's a racist fiction. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a racist colonial fiction that, uh, that people have actually like accepted as like part of their culture and, and history. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, so then ultimately, though, you end up moving to Canada. Uh, yeah, tell us, so... Tell us about that. So I moved a lot. When I was like six years old, we moved to Canada first. Oh, okay. We moved to Montreal, lived there for like three years, then to Calgary for one year, then back to Mexico. Um, and we had to move back in order to get a permanent residence status to move back in here. Um, so we did that. When I was like 16, we moved back to uh, Canada. We moved to Calgary. And yeah, it was just very hard moving, but I guess I had moved a lot being a kid, so I was kind of used to it. Um, but there was a lot of culture shock, definitely. Even if I had already been here in Canada, it's so different. Mexico for so many reasons. And I also, I could understand English pretty well because all the internet is in English, mm -hmm. but I couldn't speak and it was very frustrating for me. And I was just a typical quiet kid at school. I would like go to the library to read because I was very uncomfortable with my English. And so instead of hanging out with friends, that's what I did. Yeah. yeah and very sensitive. So Calgary has um, a lot of members in it uh and and so when you moved here um how did like i, I i'm curious about your experience with the church from the yeah. perspective of an immigrant somebody who was learning english uh trying to make friends as a teenager like did did the church help with that um how, like were you able to make friends tell us about that experience yeah, so I, I definitely was able to make friends easier because of the church. Yeah. Um, and I saw that as a great thing because, um, like, uh, for example, when we moved here to Canada, we didn't know anyone. We, when I was 16, we first moved to Montreal mm -hmm. for a little bit, but then it didn't work out, so we moved to Calgary. But we were there for, like, three months or so, or maybe right. more like four or five. But... Uh, we got there and a friend of ours that we knew from before <clears throat> let us stay at his home for two weeks while we got to rent a new place. Right? Then when we got the new place, a lot of the ward members helped out. They gave us like free old furniture that they had all, all for free. We had so much help from the members of the board that we didn't have to buy furniture for our apartment. And also, they helped us move everything. We had we didn't have to pay for anything at all. And also, we we ended up 
not having enough space in our apartment for all the things that people wanted to give us. So we had to tell, tell them to sell. And that reminded me of the scripture about tithing. That, mm-hmm. uh, prove me that for you herewith, if I will not open the windows of heaven and give you a blessing, that uh, there will not be space enough to receive it. Right? I, I thought, oh, these are the blessings because mm-hmm. my parents paid tithing. We yeah. literally don't have enough room to receive the blessings we're taking. And that was a great experience for me as a kid because um, I thought the church is true. It's amazing. Like this community, wherever you move in the world, there's people that will be your new family that will love and support you. And uh, family allow us to live at their place for like three months. And they also had a big family. We, we were 12 people inside that house for a period of three months. And like to me, that's insane. That's the most Christ-like thing that anyone has done for, for me or that I can think of. Uh, like letting a family you barely know move into your house for three months. And I don't think they took rent from my parents. Like yeah. I really doubt it. Um, they just did out of the goodness of their hearts because that's what Jesus would do. And yeah. because they had gone through some difficult things in the past as well. And he just wanted to help out. I like, if there is a heaven, those people belong to it. They are pleasing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, moving here to Calgary, there were differences in the church. Like the, the church was big. There were other young men. Yeah. I wasn't the only one. Um, I had a young man's president who I actually had young men's activities for once mm-hmm. that was that was a new one and I wasn't asked to like to come up with activities and to prepare them and to hmm. you know I, I, I like my feedback was valued but the activities were organized and paid for by someone else not that right. I paid for activities in Mexico but like, you know we, we actually had things like camps and you know it, it was nice yeah, was that like, because um, you talked about the tithing and you talked about the kindness of people. It sounds like, was this a phase, you think, where um, like where your testimony really grew? Like, were you like, this is so true. Yeah. Like, I, I don't just believe it because my parents taught me anymore. Like, I'm really seeing how how good <laughs> and true it is. Yeah, definitely. I remember reading the Book of Mormon like completely during the, the three months or so we were in Laval in, in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had read it before, but I think this is, like this this time it was really meaningful for me because of all I was going through, you know, with the move, with losing all my friends from Mexico, with really not knowing any French and having to do all my school French. And then like the same thing, coming here to Calgary a few months later to having to do the whole thing in English again. Um, I, I definitely think this period of time made my testimony grow. And there was one other thing, like an important event that made my testimony grow. There was a fire in our house and uh, I just mentioned it too. But like, I remember the first thing we did when we got out of the house is I took my siblings and we went to like uh, a yard somewhere. And we just knelt down and prayed that our parents would be fine because my mom went back to get my dad. Hmm. Oh, because also my dad had broken his leg uh, like a month before, exactly one month before the fire, actually. And like his leg was in a cast completely up to his hip. 
and he couldn't just leave the apartment by himself. He tried. So my mom went back to get him once we left the, the burning building and uh, somehow they got out alive. And to me, that was a miracle. Yeah. And not only that, but we had like some cash uh, in like a box inside one of the suitcases in the apartment. And so that was a significant amount of cash of my bank savings. I don't know why it wasn't in the bank. But yeah, anyways, we thought it was lost. But then like one of the captain of the firemen, he he brought the thing and, and he was like, this is yours. And he gave us the, the suitcase. It was half burnt and the other half had been preserved, I think, because a piece of the ceiling fell on top of it and I kind of covered it from the, the rest of the fire. Wow. And in the half that wasn't burned, we had, there was the, the box with all the money. Uh, so to me, the, like God not only saved us like from the fire because nobody really got hurt, um, he also saved us financially because of, and, and the scripture about tithing came to mind. Mm-hmm. Where it says like I'll burn those who don't pay their tithing, and like he didn't burn us because we did pay tithing. <laughs> oh, the church is so true. But your house still caught on fire. Yeah, we lost everything aside from that one suitcase. Yeah, we didn't have insurance either because we had just moved there. So. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, faith building experiences. I also did like all the year of school in like twelve weeks in French. So to me, that was another miracle. There's no way I could have done that. By right but yeah wow so miracle after miracle and then um like did you have any doubts at this point or was it like no it's all true no i I was like it's all true i'm sure i had doubts i had tons of questions uh, about polygamy about um because i also had grown up believing that polygamy was wrong that it didn't happen in our church. It was some other crazy right. church in Utah. Right. And it, it wasn't until my girlfriend at the time told me that they had missionaries over at their house. I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, tell me more. And, and they asked them, hey, we've heard you guys are polygamists, are you? And they told them, oh, yeah, well, we used to be, but we're not anymore. I'm like, no, that's not my church. Yeah. That's the other crazy church. I can't believe they're here. Like, what's going on? Yeah. I had no idea that. And then did you, like, did you just put that on your shelf or what? Like, how'd you move past When I learned it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I did a lot of studying and praying to get a confirmation (laughs) that, you know, this was from God. Yeah. Wow. Bishop, you look like you have a question. So, like, in Mexico... Like Mormons just don't really know about Brigham Young's polygamy or Joseph well, Smith's polygamy. I think some do, uh, but we don't talk about it. Like my mom knew apparently, and mm-hmm. she just never told me about it. Yeah. My grandpa knew, but he kind of misled me, and uh, because I like one time he talked about polygamy and he said, "Oh well, if, the, if we were actually polygamists, then." more members, like everyone in Mexico would want to join the church. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Like 12-year-old me listening to my grandpa say this was a little bit weirded out by that. But that to me meant we are not polygamists. Right. You're you're like, yeah, makes sense. We're not polygamists, I guess. Because nobody's joining. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, just because like, yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, my grandpa has one wife. My right. dad has one wife. Right. This doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so you're a little bit more removed from like church history. I think like living in the Mormon corridor, like church history is our history. So we all kind of know because we know somebody who knows somebody who's a descendant of a polygamist. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess we don't have that in Mexico. But, well, I uh, guess depending on the place in Mexico, if you come from one of the like Mormon colonies, then uh, right. you might yeah, have a yeah. little more. Yeah. Definitely. Interesting. But, but my mom knew since she was investigating the church. Like, so right. She, really? Uh, I just didn't. And maybe it has to do with me being 16 and right. you know, having right. other things in my mind. Yeah. Like, so, I, if I went to the church's website, I would have found that. Yeah. So then, ultimately, your testimony was strong enough. You went on a mission. Um, yeah. Like, did you have any doubts leading up to that, or were you just like, "I'm going out serving the Lord"? What was your perspective when you went to to serve your mission? Well, by this point, my perspective was uh, everything that's good in my life is a direct result of the church. Yeah, and like everything that's meaningful for me, family, all because of the church. Without the church, first of all, my family wouldn't be there because my mom's a convert, mm-hmm. uh, and second of all, we wouldn't be an eternal family. So. You know, I can't give up on my family. Then there's, <clears throat> like, a ton of other things that happened while I was served, like preparing to serve a mission that mm-hmm. uh, I saw as direct blessings for me preparing to serve a mission. Um, and then there's, like, all the stuff that happened when I moved, the fire, all that. Right. I, I really did believe that everything good in my life came because of the church. And then I wanted to share that. I wanted to at least be grateful for the blessings I had by serving a mission. Yeah, I, yeah, of It course. would be dishonest for me to not want to serve a mission life after I had been blessed so much. Yeah. And then there's the classic questions of like, well, do I actually know it's true? And then praying a lot and reading a lot about the scriptures. Um, like I really studied a lot leading up to my mission. I read the Gospel of Obsessies, for example, hmm. um, and I still decided to go on a mission, which is very <laughs> surprising to me. Uh, I just, I didn't question whether the church was true as much as I questioned whether I knew it was true, because it definitely was true, but did I know it? Right? That, that is such a good way of looking at it, um, and I, I think <laughs> probably something and many of us can relate to, I know I can, the idea that while the church is obviously true, I just have to figure that out for myself, right? It's yeah. like, it's uh, kind of putting the cart before the horse. It's it's like, well, of course, of course it's true. I just don't know that yet, but you've already yeah. accepted it as true. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what an awful thing, like... <laughs> Any human being looking at that rationally would be like, mm, "That's a little fishy," uh, yeah. but but we rationalize that like we all we've all been there. We get it. Um, at what, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, your question. Well, I was wondering, like, at what point did you start to piece it together 
you know, were you on your mission or did you serve your mission faithfully? Like, tell us about your questions. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, first I'll tell you about my testimony though, because I just thought this might be important. I like the Book of Mormon. I didn't know it was true. I just, I, I knew it was true because it's actual literal history. How can you go against history? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are my ancestors. There's no way I can go against that. Right. Uh, but um, I prayed a lot, didn't receive an answer, and then I heard some talk by General Authority where he said he had the same experience of not receiving an answer, and then he just thought, oh, it must be, because <clears throat> I already know it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't need for God to answer. And yeah. I thought, you know what, I've lived through some things, I know this is true. I don't need an answer. And But there were still, like, that wasn't very convincing to me still. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, the atonement uh, and repenting of things in my life, going to the bishop and, you know, like that whole experience of just feeling so guilty and feeling like, like you know, I was the absolute worst person in the world and there was no redemption for me to going for something very small uh, to then going to like, oh, I'm completely free. Like I've been forgiven and I'm good. Like if I died right now, I would go to heaven. Yeah. Like that, that stark difference and just the difference in the amount of guilt I, I felt before to the lack of it after, that is what gave me a testimony. Right. And then reading the scripture really confirmed that because it's all about Christ and the atonement and, uh, the way I saw it, at least. And so getting your experience with the atonement and with forgiveness is what gives you a testimony. So that's why I knew I, I had to serve a mission because everyone feels guilty for something and they need the atonement to stop feeling that guilt. So that's, that was my main reason for going. Interesting. Um, so where did you serve? I served in France and in Belgium. The France Paris mission in Spanish, actually. Okay. I got to the mission field. And there were no instructions for me as a Spanish-speaking elder. And I asked the president, like, what's going on? What was it? And he told me very wisely, if you meet someone who speaks French, speak to them in French. And if you meet someone who speaks Spanish, speak to them in Spanish. That's your instructions. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, 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 language, what language were your companions assigned to speak? Spanish? French, or, all of them. Except, were, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> except for one time where I served in a Spanish group in Brussels, um, there were like 20 people who spoke Spanish and Portuguese, and then mm-hmm. it got turned into a branch while I was there, which I was very happy about. Uh, wow. In that occasion, I served in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you're, you're trilingual, though. You, you speak French, English, and Spanish. Um, yeah. and, but you got called to speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, but you always had the French-speaking companions. Yes, I always served in French-speaking Ex- companions. for that one time <clears throat> in Brussels. Except for that one transfer in Brussels. But then I, I, stayed in, I stayed in Brussels in a different companionship, and I still got to teach people in Spanish because, like, I was like, what are they going to do, fire me? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, and it was great. Like, I, I loved the Spanish, French, and just being able to help them out. They felt like family, honestly. It was great. Interesting. 
And I then, stayed there for seven months of my mission. So even oh, wow. if I wasn't officially called as a Spanish elder during that time, I still did most like a lot of work yeah. in Spanish. And then did you have any questions while you were on your mission or were you like, I'm just a good elder, I'm doing the Lord's work? Uh, both at the same time. I was a good elder doing the Lord's work. I thought, you know, I've sacrificed so much to be here. Mm -hmm. But if I don't give it my all, I'm wasting my time and other people's time. So right. I really tried to be my best during my home mission. Um, but at the same time, I did have some questions. I was like, polygamy still doesn't make sense. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It, like, I, it's very uncomfortable to think about polygamy and to think that prophets of God did this. And it was not only okay, but it was the good thing to do that God commanded them to do. Mm -hmm. And even sent an angel with a flaming sword to tell Joseph that he had to do this or else he was going to die, right? Yeah. I knew about that event on my mission, and I, like, an investigator who was about to get baptized ended up not getting baptized because she found out about polygamy. So I studied a ton to get to answer her questions, but she wasn't convinced, and obviously she wasn't. It's insane. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and another investigator left the church, be, well, didn't get baptized because of the Adam God theory which in of itself is a misdirection because it's not the adam god theory it's the adam god doctrine that was taught in the temple endowment by brigham young um so he found out about that i had no idea that this was a doctrine and i learned about it on my mission and i was like this doesn't make any sense like why would brigham like say these things oh they were just crazy theories he had it doesn't make the church untrue so what, like, what kind of resources were you given? Just like gospel topic essays or LDS.org or, yeah. Um, and then when, when people would find these things, would they show you some other kind of source for the, like, were they showing you things off Reddit or like, where were, where were your investigators finding this information? Uh, just on the internet somewhere. I don't know. I thought like there was this anti-Mormon organization that was just, you know, led by Satan and spreading information about the church or like well, there is it's called the xx mormon podcast <laughs> <laughs> and and after this we are we're going to go do our our ritual satanic uh abuse <laughs> and of children. i wouldn't um, expect any less from and we do it on the lord's day yes every time of course yeah because this yeah. is when his power is greatest and this is when we must also bring our greatest Opposed power the forces of light yeah, yeah. right yeah of yeah. course, of course, we must have our own sacraments. Yes, yeah. yes, it's true. Nice, uh, yeah. But about my questions, like, it, well, uh, to answer your question, no, they didn't share stuff with us. They just shared their questions. The one investigator with the Adam God theory sent us quotes through, like, WhatsApp, but he didn't send us to the resources. Mm, and yeah. also, we didn't have access to them as missionaries because we had no Google, we had right. no YouTube, we had no Reddit. And because in my mission, I had a tablet, I didn't, I wasn't those missionaries who went to the church to use the church computers to write emails to their families. So I, I really had no access at all to, um, to, to the internet. Yeah, like you, you, you couldn't find the inter information if you wanted to. I, I could have if I wanted to through Facebook. 
but I didn't want mm. to because I was a good missionary. Right. Did, did your mission president, like, did you have any zone conferences that were kind of around these tougher topics no, in church history? Uh, zone conferences were about uh, how to teach better and just, you know, the basics of the right. Like you never had any special transfer training meeting, zone conference, district meeting on apologetics or resolving concerns or dealing with tough questions or anything like that? Well, yes, we talked about dealing with tough questions and we talked about, you know, you need to be honest, you need to say, I don't know, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure someone knows and point them to the church's things. But like we weren't taught about apologetics. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. We weren't taught like anything that's unpreached my gospel. Right. Interesting. So when you start finding out about like these things like Adam, God and polygamy and these tough questions you're getting, like how did you feel blindsided, betrayed, unprepared? Uh, well, I felt like there must be an answer. Yeah. In which it all makes sense. And mm-hmm. in which the church is still true. Even if, you know, there, like with the Adam, God theory, I thought someone twisted the quotes by Brigham Young. Yeah. Or maybe took them out of context. Or maybe she said it was his personal theory because after all, it's the Adam God theory, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe she thought, oh, what if, you know, all, all members do that? Uh, and maybe they were, the crazy anti-members were giving those quotes more validity than Brigham Young gave it. So that's what I thought. And it's not the case. So when you talk about proper context, like I'm reminding myself of when I used to say they're taking these things out of context or they're skewing it. What I was actually thinking was these people are using these old things that somebody said that we don't really use in our common regular practice or belief. And they don't really understand how good I feel when I go to church and they don't understand how good I feel when I'm with my family. And and if they only understood what it was actually like to be a Mormon, then they wouldn't care about these things. And to me, that was what the proper context was. So when you're saying, because I know I've heard missionaries say this and members say, well, that's taken out of context. And it's like, no, this is quite firmly within the context of how it was given. So when you're when you're saying that it was taken out of context, like what were you, what did you actually think? What was your actual thought process of finding the quote unquote proper context? Well. Uh, first of all, it's a thought-stopping process. I didn't realize that at the time, but saying it's out of context completely mm-hmm. just invalidates. Mm-hmm. It's a way for me to not have to deal with that problem right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but what was going through my mind was, for example, polygamy. When I learned about mm-hmm. it, I'm like, this is completely wrong. But then learning that, you know, oh, well, other prophets were commanded to do this in the Bible. And Joseph Smith was commanded to restore it, and then thinking, then doing all the mental gymnastics. Oh well, in reality, like, is there anything fundamentally wrong with polygamy? Like, let's say there's fifteen consenting adults, and they, uh, I, maybe it's okay. Uh, so, you know, with that perspective that I had at the time, maybe polygamy wasn't as wrong because it was from God. And Right. There must be it's, some it's, good reason. Yeah. For this. And also, like, the man, it was so hard for the man. They really didn't want to take an additional <laughs> 30 wives. They fought against it to the nail. Right? That's what the church says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I promise I, I, I don't want to. This 
angel with a yeah. flaming sword though like he told me i had to and oh yeah. here let me give you a blessing that will comfort you um yeah the lord says you'll be destroyed if you don't go along with this so uh exactly. get in line and your family your family as well mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so okay so i want i want to get to like when things really start unraveling like you come home yeah. from your mission how long were you home from your mission before like things really started popping out at you and, and like just walk us through that whole uh process yeah so i got from my mission it took about three years for me to start questioning the church because wow. all of my questions i would just you know put them on the shelf as they say yeah uh and i i still had a ton of questions that i didn't find answers to but i was a little bit depressed after my mission because i had like like everyone, I had been a leader and I, I took myself too seriously. I, I like, trained for missionaries and I thought, oh, it's because, you know, training is for the best missionaries. And I really thought it was because I was one of the best. And maybe I was, but it's because I spoke French and I was able to teach French. Mm-hmm. And all the Americans didn't speak French or not as well as I did. Yeah. And so, like, that's the reason why I trained. Not because I was particularly special or anything. Um, but I still, at this point, like I had so much respect from others, or at least I felt so in the mission, but maybe it came only because I was their leader and they needed to respect me, but it, it got to me. And, and then like being back, it, I, I went from working to save the souls of men to like university and just not doing anything yeah. important with my life. So you know, uh, but the thing is, this depression, whoever told me, that everyone told me was going to go away soon, never really went away. I, I never stopped feeling like I wasn't living up to my full potential. I was just wasting my life. Uh, so I think there's one thing. So when you have like a real <laughs> career position with a company and you build up a lot of trust with management or with your bosses, you feel like how you're describing as a missionary. And I came home like in a similar position of, of having accomplished a lot and, and having built a lot of trust throughout the mission, you know, and becoming kind of a respected missionary. And then you come home and it's like you've changed jobs, but what they don't tell you, but what you realize when you're, when you're working real career positions is if I leave this job where I built up trust and credibility, I need to start at the bottom at a new position and rebuild trust and credibility with everybody. And it's going to be hard. They don't tell you that when you come home from your mission, you're leaving a career position. You have to, you've accomplished some great things, but you're going to go home and nobody knows. And you got to rebuild trust and credibility with everybody around you. So you come home and you're like, why, why doesn't everybody think I'm amazing? Don't they know that I'm amazing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But they, nobody warns you. There's no like offboarding package to say, this is what it's like going home. You, You worked a job, you did a really good, you did great work here. Now you're moving on to your next career. You make your next career move and you got to start from the bottom all over again. So humble yourself, adjust your expectations and, and work to earn trust and credibility all over again. And that, that's a good life lesson. They just don't prep you for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's no seven. Yeah. And yeah. And then you just <laughs> spiral into, you spiral into depression because you don't feel like you're special anymore. And yeah. You know, isn't isn't yeah. God with me now? And it's also really hard to identify because I wouldn't go and question the church or question the mission or anything related to the church. I would I would look at myself and say, 
what is wrong with me? Mm. Look at where I was, look at, I was this amazing person and now I'm nothing. Like, I, I'm just, you know, life is wasted on me. That's, that's really the way I thought. And I was very depressed. Um, yeah, but the thing is, it, I, it got better at some points, it got worse at some others, but yeah. it never went away. And throughout this whole period, up until I left the church, I still had this like depressing, constant feeling, like the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and and things I used to enjoy, all of a sudden just lost their taste. Like I, I loved playing the violin, and I stopped playing it because I just you know I did. Uh, it feels really hard to say this, but I I just like I didn't feel like I deserved to be happy, and therefore whenever I felt happy, it's like no 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 wait. I can't be happy because I'm not living to my true potential. I'm not the person I used to be on my mission and I'm not, like I'm basically turning my back on God. So, you know, this moment of happiness, save it for later when you are living up to your true potential. Interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I think mission success is a curse. Yeah, probably. Especially yeah. in a tougher mission. Like I served in a European mission as well. And when you have success in a European mission, it's like, it's like, you know, one baptism in a European mission is like a hundred baptisms in a South American mission. It's just like, yeah. holy crap. You went to Europe and you baptized people like, yeah. oh my gosh, like, like did Moses, Moses visit you? Like, <laughs> like, well, I am John the Beloved, so that's true. Yeah, that's, experience true. On my side. Dude, that's true. You do have experience on your side. I mean, you started... <laughs> You started preaching to Europeans, so you understand the, the stubborn wickedness of their hearts better than anybody else. Of course, of course. Plus, like, there's cathedrals to my name. People worship me over there. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay, so when it really started was um, last summer. Mm. Summer 2021. <clears throat> I hadn't really gone to church because of COVID, though I had been attending through Zoom. I was in the bishopric too, so I was part of like trying to. I was a not anything important, just like the or clerk, executive secretary, or oh, clerk. Uh, yeah, clerk. There was another ex, like the executive secretary was also a YSA like me, mm -hmm. and then the three big guys were just you know. So um, you had to sit in on disciplinary councils and like take notes and stuff like that. Um, actually, no. There was one disciplinary council, but we I didn't have to be there because the executive secretary was going to be there taking notes and mm. she felt like we didn't need two young men there. So, yeah, right, right. So oh, he got to do yeah. that, I didn't. Um, and that's the only one that happened during my time there. Everybody um, else was a liar, like the rest of your ward. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or they simply didn't go to the temple because people just don't go to the temple. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, especially post-COVID. Yeah, exactly. Who can blame YSA people? They have school and, you know, all the stress that comes from just being a millennial and having to figure out how to live in this messed up world that we're in. Well, and I also but, think that there's like the, the part of it that it's just a weird culty thing. And even if you're in it and even right. if you fully believe it, it's still yeah. weird. Like when when yeah, I was going through the temple, every everybody said, you know, you get a few people who are like, oh, it's amazing. And then most people say, oh, it's like weird. And half of them say, it's amazing, but it's 
weird. I don't get it, but I'm sure the Lord, you know, it does the same, you know, it's true. I just don't understand that it's true yet. I have some words concerning these people, these millennials. So before there was a Calgary temple, I used to go to the Cardston temple once a month while I was in school Mm -hmm. every month. And probably once a year, I would go four weeks in a row. Wow. You're so brave. Because, yeah, and then there's millennials who are like, oh, it's COVID. And I mean, Rocky Ridge or wherever, Royal Oak is like, it's like 45 minutes in traffic. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Do you not yeah. care about saving the souls of your ancestors, souls people? Of, exactly. Especially when you, it takes you like two hours to save one soul. Oh, brother. Like, we got a lot of work to do. You guys have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. So, Especially with all the Dudley Gates as well. <laughs> In the name recycling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so things started unraveling for you just last summer. Like this is a pretty recent. Yes. Yeah, thing. very recent. Uh, tell, tell us about yeah. that. So it all started because I, um, I saw one friend that I hadn't seen for a long time and they told me that uh, well, she told me that she had left the church and it took me by surprise because she was someone I really respect and valued. She was very smart and she was very devout as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, how can someone who has such a strong testimony and be someone who was part of my testimony as well, just leave like, and not even like, Oh, I have some questions. No, it's like, no, the church is not for me. I'm never coming back. This is like, I'm leaving. Uh, I was like, because you always hear stories as a member. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because they want to sin. I didn't think that of my friend. Uh, it's because they're misled by sin. Like she's super smart. She's not being misled by anyone. Yeah. Uh, and you know, oh, maybe you know, she just you know hasn't been going to church as often because of COVID. Maybe the spirit. You have to work to keep your testimony up, which mm-hmm. is because it's brainwashing. But you don't know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe just you know, COVID and not going to church a lot made it so she wanted to leave. But no, she made her decision kind of at the same time as COVID was going on. I never thought about it that way. But if I think about any other kind of life decision, like I don't need to continually reassure myself about the person that I married or about the job that I'm working or about the cell phone plan that I chose or the yeah. car that I bought. Like, yeah. I don't need to be like, oh, I need, I need an experience to confirm to me that this car was the right car to buy. Well, could you, could <laughs> you imagine? like my, my identity's in jeopardy. Like, like, I don't you, know you, who I am. You, you, you call Toyota and, yeah. and you call Toyota and you, you say, Hey, listen, like, I, I'm not sure about this car. Like I just, I, I don't like the way that it shifts. I think something might be wrong with it. Um, you know, like, can I bring it in to check it up? And they're like, have you been reading the owner's manual? Uh, we really think, uh, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to send you, we're going to send you some pamphlets in the mail and, and I promise, uh, that'll take away your doubts. Maybe, maybe watch our like annual Toyota conference and, uh, and (laughs) whatever you do, do not Google like. 2012 Toyota RAV4 issues. Yeah, don't. Or like, do not, do not Google like Forerunner warranty claims or. <laughs> <laughs> right, like that's a red flag. 
this is the true car. You bought the right car. <laughs> you should Don't only read anything bad that only read faith affirming divinely appointed source you reviews. Should, like if if I said if I said to somebody like, Oh, you should get a Toyota and they're like, Oh well I'm gonna look around. I'm like, Well, okay, look around, but only use Toyota's website. Like that's a red flag. Anybody, you know, anybody who's car shopping is going to look around. People, you know, if you wanted to learn about um, uh, about Justin Trudeau's platform, well, don't just look at the liberals' website. Look, look at the conservative website. Look at the NDP. Look at you know um, scholarship. Look at like go and and find out more information for yourself. Don't just trust the propaganda. Um, yeah. But anyways, back back to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I met with this friend. I asked her about, like, you know, you're someone I respect and mm-hmm. I value your opinion. Why did you leave? And she told me about why she left and about many of the reasons. And she did it in the most, like, respectful way possible. She was like, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to, I don't want to. Like, I'm sure she would have wanted me to leave the church, right? Yeah. But her purpose in those conversations were not to get me to leave the church. And I wanted to know, I really wanted to understand why. And so as we kept talking and hanging out, uh, I realized that her concerns were valid. It's not things like, okay, for example, if polygamy was to have kids, then why did Joseph marry a pregnant woman who was already married? Right. Recently married to someone else. Right. And if polygamy right. was to have kids, why do yeah. the apologists say, no, no, there's no evidence Joseph ever slept with any of these women? Yeah, so either way you look at it, it's it's wrong. Like, yeah. Joseph didn't mm-hmm. follow the rules he had. And apologists love to say, oh, well, he just didn't know how he was supposed to do it. He just knew he had to restore it. But there was no roadmap. Yeah. The thing is, the answer is the commandments he did have, he didn't follow. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, those aren't questions that can be answered by saying, oh, well, just read the Book of Mormon and pray. Yeah. Right? And Mm -hmm. she's read the Book of Mormon several times. And I know she's prayed about it and about other things. So, like, I know she's taking this very seriously. And and this got me thinking. This along with a, a few other things. I took a few psychology courses during the summer and I learned more about uh, cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias and even the placebo. Did you know that people have successfully committed suicide by overdosing on sugar pills? Really? Yes. Like The brain is strong enough that by thinking you're overdosing, even if what you're consuming is a placebo, you can mm-hmm. die because wow. your brain believes it's, you know, yeah. a high dose of something. Just yeah. You die. And it has happened before, I think, like seven times or something, like recorded uh, from studies. Uh, wow. So, you can like, convince your brain, yourself of anything. Yeah. And I was like, if, you, if your brain can convince yourself that you're ingesting poison and that you're going to die by doing so, couldn't your brain convince you of something more simple like a testimony? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I also, like, the whole anti-vax thing, like, I don't mean to hurt anyone, but it's based on so much misinformation. Yeah. 
and uh, I just couldn't be understand like why someone, how someone could believe all these things, could believe in the anti-vax movement. It's there's just so much evidence against it. Like I, I just couldn't understand it, and so that got me thinking: what, what things about my life am I believing? just like these anti-vaxxers that are wrong. And I realized that I was also an anti-vaxxer because, not because I believe vaccines were wrong, but because I was believing in something that has so much evidence against, which is the church. There's right. just so much, so much evidence that disproves the church and there's not enough for it to be true. The fact that it's good, that there are some good organizations, doesn't make them like the thing that got established. And so I researched my questions from faithful sources, and then when I was pretty convinced that the church wasn't true, I went to like a CS letter, mm -hmm. read that thing, and then my testimony completely crumbled because I realized that the few things I was still holding on to were simply not true. Yeah. Uh, like the Book of Mormon was not literal, uh, which was hard for, because it was like my history. Written. Yeah. Um, then the, the Book of Abraham is like the biggest example, mm -hmm. the book of Abraham is wrong. It's not the book of Abraham. It hasn't been, it wasn't translated by Joseph. It was just made up. Uh, and, you know, they always talk about the catalyst theory, but that doesn't work either because Joseph made an alphabet. And like, mm -hmm. there's a page where you can see like the character and then like a paragraph of what the character means. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a literal translation and Joseph thought it was a literal translation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not this like apologetic revelation nonsense. Yeah. Um, so anyways, there are very legitimate problems and I just lost my testimony. I believed, okay, well, with this new information, the church is so obviously false and I need to leave it behind. And so I decided to leave the church. Wow. So, so did you tell your family? How did, how did you tell your family and how did it go over? Yeah, well, I, I was planning to tell my family because my brother was going to serve a mission and I thought that part of his reason was me being his example and and uh, I just needed to tell him, right? Uh, but I also didn't want to live with my family after telling them this because it's basically saying, I don't want to be part of your family anymore. For yeah. a Mormon family to listen, yeah. I'm leaving the church it's equivalent to, I, I'm not going to be with you in the afterlife. It's like yeah. emancipation, like it's an eternal divorce. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, like you had that self-awareness before you told your family, like you understood the consequences of the words that you were going to say? Yeah, but, yeah, I went to the ex-Mormon Reddit and looked up like stories of people telling their family and there's some horror stories in there. People... Mm -hmm getting divorced, like not talking to their kids anymore, or like, you know, just, it's impossible. Even the good experiences are bad because mm -hmm. there's still distance between those members of them. Yeah. So, so I, think, I decided, sorry? I think there's something that I've been thinking about for a while and I might put together an episode on it, but it's the toxic ex-Mormon. Mm. And the, like the, to the toxic ex-Mormon is the ex-Mormon who leaves the church and doesn't think about the pain they're going to cause their family. Hmm. Cause like they're so focused on their own anger and their own pain 
And it's almost like they become blinded by the untruth of the church, that it's like the church is so obviously untrue. How can my family even stand by this and, and get mad and upset that I'm leaving? Don't they realize that they're brainwashed? Well, hey, hang on a second, because up until two months ago, you were your parents. Yeah. 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 And let's have some empathy and understanding and self-awareness that I am going to say something that's going to change this relationship. And it's not going to be comfortable or easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I, yeah, I, I went through thinking that, and I wanted to be as delicate as possible, but at the same time, I did want to be honest because I wanted to be authentic. And mm-hmm. just, uh, I wanted to tell them instead of them finding out when I haven't been yeah. to church in months. Right, right. Uh, and also, yeah, like I, I try to see them from my perspective. Like, Try to see them as myself from a few months ago. Like, yeah, I would have been devastated if one of my siblings told me they didn't believe in the church. Yeah, and so, so how uh, how did you tell them? Like, did you so go sit all, down? Yeah, I moved out. I was living with my parents because they're in Calgary, and going to university is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I moved, and I moved closer to university too. So. Nice. I just didn't want to live with them after I had told them these spirits. Yeah. Um, so distance is good. And so then I had my siblings over and I told them uh, that I didn't believe that she was true anymore. I think I told them that for now I'm going to step away from the church. I think those were my words yeah. uh, in Spanish. And because I thought it would be more palatable for them to yeah. believe that I was just going less active than to believe, oh, like, I don't believe in God, like, I'm an atheist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which I was. So I just wanted to be as delicate as possible and as, yeah, and, and they took it pretty well. Like, my siblings, they were disappointed, I guess, by their faces. But yeah. my sister told me, well, you're my brother, and that's what matters the most to me. So, uh, it was it was with my uh, my brother too. He was like, "Yeah, well, that's a personal journey. It's your decision." Mm-hmm. My sister said a similar thing. I have three siblings. Then um, I told my parents, and I, I told my yeah. When I told my parents, they both cried. Uh, and my mom was like, "But you still believe in God, though?" And I was like, "I don't know if I believe in God because." My whole belief in God was based on the church, and I yeah. don't believe in the church anymore. Yeah. And the Bible was already on shaky ground before I left. Yeah. So, like, every Mormon knows that the Bible is wrong in so many ways. Yeah. So, like, what do I have left to base my idea of who God is anymore? Yeah. I, I can't. And she was very disappointed with that, but now she understands where I'm coming from, and she really respects you and my relationship with my family is so it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Yeah. So then, um, so you're done, your family knows you're not going to church anymore. Um, but your name's still on the records. You're technically a member. Um, do you want to <laughs> fill us in? This is like the most exciting thing. If people have if, if people have like listened to the whole episode up till now, this is kind of a long episode, but if people have listened to it, 
the, yes, the, this is worth it. Um, tell us what um, what happened just like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so back in December, I saw a video by Nemo the Mormon on YouTube where he opposed uh, in-state conference. And I decided, hey, that's amazing. I should do that. And then that's what I did. So two weeks ago, there was a state conference, the Calgary YSA stake. And I learned Apostle Brendan who was coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this will be way more meaningful because I'm actually opposing him and not yeah. necessarily just the state president. So I went, I talked with one of my friends who had left the church a long time ago, uh, a different friend from the one I mentioned, and he was very happy with it. He's like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, can I come too? And so he came with him. He brought his non-member girlfriend, and my brother also decided to come with me. He ended up not going on a mission, and he now has similar views to mine. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we went to a post, and... Uh, yeah, that's what we did. The reason why I did it is because I thought I've never seen anyone opposed in my life. And mm-hmm. everyone, every time there's a sustaining vote, they ask, anyone opposed, raise your right hand. If there's any place in which, like, to disagree with the church and still conform to church standards, this is it. Like, you yeah. can actually, you are being asked to disagree if you do, to show yeah. your disagreement. Nobody does it because it's taboo. It's like people saw me as an enemy Yeah. Mm-hmm. when I opposed, even if it's completely normal by church standards. Um, yeah, so when they said, anyone opposed, my friend and I stood up, we raised our hands and said, I opposed. My, friend, my brother just raised his hands as well. Uh, he also opposed. Uh, and yeah, then we talked with the someone in the state presidency who told us after listening to our concerns that the things we shared with him would only be uh, shared within the state presidency and they would go higher up. And so that was very disappointing because I don't, I didn't oppose the state presidency. Yeah. I think they're just good men trying their best, but they really have no say in what the church does. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, yeah. they're like, we're not taking this higher up. We're just going to talk about the issue amongst ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. Then I posted on Facebook to, you know, raise awareness that we can actually <laughs> vote. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, how, did the, how did the posting on Facebook go? I think it went well because, okay, all the comments are negative, most of them. But... I have like at least 600 views, which like for a random person who never posts anything on Facebook, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sorry. What happened like at the meeting? Like you oppose, so you're, do you sit through the rest of the state conference and meet with the state presidency after? Or do they rush you out right away? Yeah, definitely. As soon as it was done, President James of the state presidency in the public YSA stake, mm-hmm. uh, he went down. Um, oh, by the way, the bodyguard was staring at us throughout the whole meeting because we were standing right at the front, like in the front pew. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, the meeting ended. Well, right after we opposed, Elder Brandon got up and said, because we have had some opposing votes, we would invite those members to speak with a member of the state presidency after the meeting. 
mm-hmm. immediately after the meeting. Uh, then President James got, like, came down and he, he was like, okay, let's go, you know. And I said, oh, can I go to the washroom, please, beforehand? Uh, it was a two-hour meeting, after all. Uh, so he let us be, but he came back like three times to get us. People came up to talk with us. There was someone else who said he was ex-Mormon, but, uh, and, and he thought what we did was very brave. There was a girl who was anti-vaxxer, and she couldn't believe that the prophet would get people to get vaccinated. There were people interested in speaking with us. Yeah. And my friend who wrote a post with me later told me that what they were trying to do was get us away from those people so we wouldn't talk with them. And yeah. I thought, wow, oh, that's so smart. Why didn't I see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, so that people uh, can't come up to you after and, and discuss. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So, this, so like, <laughs> the opposing vote is like this, um, the, the, the sustaining vote and the opposing vote, it's like this idol in the church. Mm-hmm. And the problem with idols is, is that if you say this idol is a representation of our God, and if you touch this idol or desecrate this idol, God will curse you. Everybody is afraid of it, yeah. But somebody will eventually accidentally knock over the idol, yeah, and will not get cursed, yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, everybody's an atheist. And so, same thing when you vote opposed, it's like we don't do that, guys. Yeah. yeah. And and now it's somebody's knocked the idol over, and it's like, and he's not, and he's like happy, he's and he's like got a life, and he's got a job, and like he hasn't been burned, and like, oh, well, maybe yeah, I can vote opposed. <laughs> maybe I can vote opposed too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? There are things that I'm not so sure about now. I'm going to start, you know, like dissent breeds more dissent, especially in a tightly controlled. Well, and I, I mean, uh, Mr. John, the beloved brother, John, the beloved, you, you even said that, um, that you were inspired by Nemo filming himself doing this in the yes. UK. And so then you, you see this and you say, Oh, I, like I can do that at this state conference yeah. that's coming up. And then, you know, now people see you do that at a state conference where there is an apostle of the Lord. They see you do that. And yeah. suddenly they're like, oh, because I have, I have problems with the church. And it's incredible. I mean, people who have problems with the church's homophobia, people who have problems with the church's vaccination uh, requests, like right, yeah. you know, <laughs> people from anywhere have problems with the church. And I, I think, yeah, you just opened up a floodgate in Calgary YSA. I can't, uh, I can't wait to hear all about it from my active siblings. Um, I, I really hope so. Yeah. I really hope I made a difference. And I think that we did. Because I think that whatever the Apostle said, and I do remember his talk, but it's been forgot. What yeah. people remember is us standing up. Yeah. And I think that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody came away from that meeting being like, oh, man, I just felt the spirit so strong. Elder Renlund, <laughs> you know, what he said. Everybody's coming away saying, oh, man, that brother John the Beloved, like, I can't believe, like, I can't believe he he opposed with his friends there. And, like, I, like what is it? You know, and they're going to start thinking, why would, why would someone oppose? Because that's something for me, like, I never understood why anybody would. Like, it didn't make sense. And then as I got older, it started, like, and, uh, and I heard stories about somebody opposing, you know. I, I was like, oh, 
Like that's actually there for a reason. Uh, and I, I never used it because um, I was in um, a, until I pretended to be in. Uh, and yeah, like I, I, th I think that's awesome that you did that. And I, I hope um, somebody, I hope somebody's there next time to do it again. Like thank I know, you. I, oh, sorry. Thank you. No, I, I was just, just going to say thank you. I appreciate that. And I really hope you're right. Yeah. It's kind of like, like it is like R rated movies. It's anything else that the church suppresses or tries to take away from you is that everybody in that meeting, like you're saying, their elder is going, they're not going to remember the words that were said. They're going to remember. I was in a stake uh, conference where, there was an opposition and this never happens. And that's all they're going to remember, whether or not they're believing or not, all they're going to remember yeah. is, is the opposition. But if the church normalized opposition, nobody would care yeah. if anybody opposed in a meeting, it would just be like, a, Oh yeah. These guys, they don't agree with polygamy still, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 yeah. The, the five people have problems with Joseph Smith's polygamy, you know, they're opposing still. And uh, right. these guys, who, yeah, we've still got the crowd that doesn't believe the Book of Mormon's literal history, guys. Yeah. And uh, that's why they're opposing uh, yeah. majority rules. Let's move on. Next order of business, right? Honestly, it's like it's like criminalized marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you criminalize it, now suddenly you've got more problems on your hands than, mm -hmm. than if you just let people smoke weed, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I I think that's... That, that's awesome. And then c going back to the Facebook post, you posted the video of yourself on Facebook. I read through a bunch of the comments and a lot of them are just people bearing their testimony um, to you. There are some people in there who are uh, being quite supportive uh, uh, of what yeah. you did, uh, which is fantastic. But um, yeah, tell us like about the comments and the conversations that you had afterwards. Like what's the fallout from this display uh well first of all i thank you to everyone who has been supportive whether you just liked it or even just saw the post like i i just i don't know i love so many people in there um but yeah a lot of the comments were about just people bearing their testimonies to me that the church is led by christ and by apostles of the lord and like I knew Christ personally, and I don't think he's okay with the church today. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I'm drunk to be loved after all. Like, what do these guys have on me? They have nothing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, it seemed very interesting because people are talking about my doubts and my questions, and I didn't post a single one of my doubts in my post. Mm -hmm. I post. My post is about changes that have happened due to social pressure in the church in the yeah. past. And then I say, if you want sources, message me. And if you feel like you should vote a post, please vote a post as well. I didn't attack anyone's testimony. I didn't necessarily attack the church. And in an ideal church, this would have been completely okay for anyone to do without being questioned as yeah. a faithful member. But so many people just bore their testimonies. And, and I think it's because they need to prove to themselves that in spite of what I did, they can explain it away and keep their testimonies. And like all, all the faith-challenging points, because a church changing their stance 
is faith challenging. Yeah. Because if a church is blatantly racist and now it's not, then was it wrong before mm-hmm. and now it's okay? Did God change his mind? Like, shouldn't have the church been the same since it was founded? Like, been always right? Mm-hmm. Like, and what do I do? Like, if it was wrong before, can it be wrong now? Yeah. How, how can I know these things? There's no way to know. Uh, so... Yeah, a lot of people just brought their testimonies to me, and I, I found it very interesting. Nobody answered my question. I end my post by saying, what changes would you like to see? And nobody has told me of a change that they would like to see. They're all like, oh, you apostates, you know. Yeah. You're just angry with the church because Satan has led you away and because you want to sin. Yeah. You want to come up with ways that the church isn't true. My post has nothing to do with whether the church is true or not. If I, I, if I wanted to post my reasons for leaving the church or the reasons why I believe the church is false, then okay, you can come and bear your testimony to me. But that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to make the church a better place for those I love that will stay. Yeah. And I think all members should get behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Like you believe the church can be saved? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be it, it can be a better place for the people who be, stay. Yeah, I just, it's kind of like improving the conditions in a concentration camp. Like, <laughs> leave. <laughs> Don't go what back. if what if those people like, in the concentration camp are going to stay there no matter what? Yeah, like, I think the weird thing about this concentration camp is it's like the Allies came, they tore down the gates and then they're like, no, 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 guys, this is the right way to be. We're supposed to starve. Right. We're yeah. supposed to be beaten. We're yes. supposed to hate ourselves, guys. We are lowly rats, you know, subservient to the Aryan race. Yes. That that like that's what I think the thing is 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 that there's never been more access to more information that would convince you that the LDS church is not what it says it is. So if you choose to stay I'm not, I, I, Elder Jackson and I probably disagreed about this over the year. I'm just like, I don't care if the church changes. I hope it stays weird. I hope it gets weirder and weirder. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it gets better for the people who, who are in it. Cause people, people are going to, are going to stay. And, and we all have family and friends who, who stay. And, uh, I, yeah, uh, like the answers are out there, but people people are brainwashed. Like they're they're convinced. Yeah. Like, yeah. This. Yeah. You know, I uh, like it didn't even occur to me that maybe this wasn't true until I was an adult. Like the whole my all growing up, it was exactly like um, brother brother the beloved said. It's you know you it, it's true. You just have to learn that for yourself, right? Um, so like, I don't want the church to escape accountability for its no, weirdness. No, no, and no. That's why I'm like, I don't want positive change. Yeah. No, stay weird and homophobic. Be persecuted and be ridiculed and be treated and and say the things that you actually believe from the rooftops and be accountable for those things and quit trying to just try and blend into the background and be as normal as possible because we all know you're racist homophobes. I know that because I was one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's not like we're uninformed 
people. Yeah. We were those people. Yeah. I have been racist in the past in believing my own history was tied with the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to admit, but that's what happened. And I have tried to make amends for the wrong things I've done. Yeah. One of our investigators who got baptized was gay. And I was a part of that. Yeah. And I have felt so much guilt over it. Yeah. Because I ruined someone's life. And when I talked with him and he said everything was okay and he appreciated my support now, uh, he, but like he had to undo all the damage me and my companion did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By himself. Without our support and yeah so like it's we have done some terrible things as a church and even today we are still doing terrible things as a church yeah. i shouldn't say we because i'm not <laughs> leaving but but the church is still racist the church is still homophobic the church yeah. is still sexist women don't have equality they are well, and according yes, to that one I, lady, they, they're on a podium and they should stay on that pedestal. And, uh, She's like, I hope we're never reduced to being equal with men because <laughs> we should be pedestalized. I'm like, no. Ugh. Right. There's one other thing I saw in the comments on your post. They keep talking about how the, the gospel is continuing to be restored. Yeah, yeah. But that's just a, that is a, um, a meme made up by Russell Nelson. Yes. There was no prophet before him, but all of a sudden the members of the church are, are licking this stuff up. Like it's just, they're eating it up like it's manna from heaven. And it's like, this isn't grounded in the reality of the church. This yeah. isn't grounded in, in what anybody has said, except for just this random guy. And it's even contrary to things that other people have said, but we're just like, Oh, he said it. And, and it makes me feel a little bit better. So I'm going to roll with it. And it's kind of like, do these guys even know the talk that, Russell Nelson gave where he said this to, can, can they even find the quote? It just becomes this meme and it perpetually copies itself and copies itself and, and people regurgitate it until it becomes true, but it's not actually even grounded in anything. Well, and it's like kitsch art. The, the idea of a, the idea of a revelation has been so watered down. I should start every, every, yes. like every time I come up, with like a new podcast project idea, I should be like, I've had a revelation. Uh, I'm yes. going to, I'm going to do a podcast about bikes. You know, it's like, oh, I've yeah. had a revelation. And, and then could you imagine if, if people followed me around and, and licked my boots like that? And they're, they're like, that's amazing. That's incredible. It's like, he thought of doing something that he's like already done, but on a different topic. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nothing groundbreaking, right? It's like, home yeah. teaching, changing to ministering. It's like, isn't this incredible? It's like, what? There, it's rebranding. We had like a member of the stake presidency in tears, bearing his testimony that he could now reach out to the sisters that he, um, that, that he ministered outside of a monthly in-home visit. <laughs> and I was like, I've been doing that for like 10 years. What are you talking about? Yeah. You just make friends with people like, and you visit human. them in their home, sure. But yeah, like you be, he's like, I can give her a phone call. He's like in tears, feeling like overcome by the spirit. And it's just like, I've entered, like the, I'm in the twilight zone. <laughs> this is not a world, you know, based on reality. This is, this is a, it's not even grounded in the, the rules of the made up religion. It's just yeah. like, this is just bizarreness 
perpetuated by other bizarreness. Like I'm, I can't. Yeah. Can't That's the other thing this. as well. They don't even follow their own rules. If you want to destroy the church, all you need is the church's own resources. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. completely invalidate everything. Yep. With mm-hmm. Only what is published by the church. Yep. That's, yeah. why I'm, that's why I'm kind of like, let's accelerate the destruction. I don't want reform in the church. Yeah. Stand I, by your insane fundamentalist roots. Be as weird as you possibly can and, 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 and reap des- what you sow. Destroy yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can really understand that because the church does maintain this and then it gaslights its members, for example, mm-hmm. with homosexuality. You know, it's not wrong to have same sex attraction. What is wrong is to act on it. But that hasn't been the case that hasn't been the doctrine for most of even my lifetime yeah like i i don't know because i haven't been really aware of the topic in the past because i've been raised in a homophobic organization but but it's it's been a sin to even think about these things right mm-hmm. well even like before I've, I've been talking to some guys who are a few years older than me so guys <laughs> kind of in their mid-40s um asking them about their pre-mission interviews and either their bishop or their state president is like they draw a line and it's like, okay, here's French kissing and making out. Here's like second base. Here's intercourse. Here's masturbation. Here's homosexuality. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that's the progression. Wow. That's, that's, how, that's how things naturally, you know, that was the viewpoint of the church. Maybe, um, you know, anybody who was going on their mission in the 80s or 90s, it was kind of like, yeah. oh, you masturbated? Are you gay? How gay are yes. you? Right. And this is perpetrated by... President Kimball, Kimball the prophet yeah. of the church, yeah. in his book, A Miracle of Forgiveness, yeah. Yeah. where he says that almost like masturbation is wrong because it leads you to think of other men and it mm-hmm. leads you to have gay thoughts. <laughs> and I'm like, interesting, President Kimball, please tell us more about <laughs> your experience <laughs> with <laughs> masturbation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take fun to no one. I know, he's, I know. <laughs> I know, I, uh, he's he's thinking about other members of the quorum of the twelve. Oh no! Like, <laughs> I know there's. I, I spoke with a, an, an ex Mormon uh, former bishop, but somebody brought up that quote. Did you know Kimball said that you know masturbation leads to homosexuality? And this former bishop starts laughing, and he says, "If that was true, there wouldn't be any straight guys left in the church." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's such a it. That is such a preposterous thing. Like, who comes up with that? Um, but yeah, as, as it turns out, the church I, is I not repressed true. gay. Yeah. Um, I repressed gay comes up with that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's just a rumor, but it's my personal opinion that President Kimball was a repressed gay. And you I think Packer, I'd put Packer in that boat I too. would put Packer in that mm-hmm. box with his little factory talk as well. Yeah. 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 Like little, like, um, I'd leave Oaks. The reason why I'd leave Oaks out of that is because he really seems to stick to the moral argument for why gay marriage is bad more so than like getting into really nitty gritty and bizarre analogies of, right. You know, you know, these weird homoerotic analogies where it's like, okay, gayness is not on his brain. He just really, really doesn't like gays getting married. Yeah, right? he's not talking about hanging out with his friends when he's a youth and getting all sorts of emotions <laughs> like President Packer. Right? Yeah. 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 So I think, um, and and I think it's important, like, 
it's important to realize that this is how uh, brainwashed people and members of the church. Because even okay, even even if uh, Packer and Kimball aren't gay, um, you know that's that's our theory, and I I like it. Yeah. But um, yeah. E- even even if they aren't, um, there are people who you know repress part of themselves. I mean, even even with you, brother John the Beloved. Uh, like you, you had this idea about your historic identity pressed yes. upon you, and you accepted that as fact uh, be, because of the church. And so it, it comes in all sorts of ways that the church tells us who we are, and it tells us what we are and what we ought to do, and how we ought to do it, and when, and um, and yeah, like it's bad. Like that's not that's not okay, especially when when those things are destructive or when they're not actually wrong. You talk about feeling guilt. You know how many of us felt guilty for things that you realize now? Oh, I'd never feel guilty for that. You should never feel guilty for that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I I think that's that's huge. Uh, as we wrap up, this has been a long episode. Um, but I, I've enjoyed it. Hopefully the listeners have enjoyed it. Hopefully the congregation, um, is, you know, uh, ready to silently in their hearts think, oh, I wish we could clap in church, uh, cause that would make it more exciting. Or sustain. Uh, or, or sustain. <laughs> yeah. Please, uh, raise your right arm to the square. Like it's sustain. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you didn't like this episode, you can, uh, similarly raise your right arm to the square. Uh, and we'll Raise discuss that right that on to the square later. on mormon at gmail.com. Yeah, actually, okay, here's here's the deal. Uh, uh, a sustaining vote is leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and an opposing vote is sending us an email, okay? Um, nice and quiet. Don't yeah. let anybody know about yeah, your opposition. Yeah, exactly. Just like the church, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't want any public uh, opposition to our podcast. Absolutely not. Um, if you yeah. have opposition, please share it quietly and privately to our inbox and uh, the make the subject line spam. Um, so <laughs> uh, any, any final thoughts as we wrap up here? I just... Um, well, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. It's been great to be able to share my story with people who are of the same perspective and who have also been hurt by the church and who can understand what I've been through. Um, I hope this podcast helps somebody out there to work through their religious trauma. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Well, Thank you. I I, uh, I guess I guess we we say these things in the name of the three Nephites, uh, who of course you know and are familiar with. Uh, amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah, those my boys. Yeah. <laughs>